2 Samuel chapter 4 and in 2 Samuel chapter 9. What I'd really like to do is quickly cut to the chase and tell you what I believe God desires to do in this building today. I want you to hear me clearly. It doesn't start tomorrow. It's not for next week. It's a word for right now. It's a right now message from the Lord for you. And I believe this. I believe that God is looking to restore or bring restoration into somebody's life. If when you hear that, when you hear that statement, something inside of your spirit begins to move, I want you to let the Lord know that he's in the right place. Just letting him know. Sometimes whenever there's things that are said, there's something in my spirit. I was, or while I'm praying, or at, sometimes as I'm writing my messages. Logan was in the office, and I was working on my message, and the Lord brought a thought to my mind. And when it did, I'm not trying to be weird, my body shook at hearing that thought. There was a physical response as I was preparing that. And this is what I believe. I believe that's the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying that we all have to have physical responses all the time or that we're weird or things like that. But I'm saying to you, there's times whenever you hear something from the Word of God, and when you hear it, something in your spirit leaps. Whenever John the Baptist's mother heard the voice, the baby in her womb leaped. And the reality of it is, is there's times where God is wanting, he's wanting to do something in your life and in mine, but he needs us to believe him. The currency of heaven is faith. The currency of heaven, what God operates on. I don't care how broke you are. The currency of heaven is this five letter word called faith. And when you believe God, when you hear his word and you believe him and grab a hold of what his word says, God has the ability to bring those things to pass in your life. So today I just want to assure you this, that there's somebody in this room that God wants to bring restoration in your life. The psalmist writes this. The psalmist says, he restores my soul. The Bible says in Joel 2.25, and I will restore to you the years the locust has eaten. And you will eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be ashamed. In Jeremiah, God speaks to a backslidden people who are in bondage because of their own choices. Their own decisions have brought them to this place. And this is what God says to them. He says, but all who devour you will be devoured, and all your enemies will go into exile. Those who plunder you will be plundered, and all who make spoil of you I will despoil. But I will restore to you health. Somebody, your spirit's coming alive when you hear that. I will restore to you health and heal your wounds, declares the Lord, because you are called an outcast, Zion for whom no one cares. This is what the Lord says. I will restore the fortunes of Jacob's tents and have compassion on his dwelling. The city will be rebuilt on her ruins and the palace will stand in its proper place. From them will come songs of thanksgiving and the sound of rejoicing. And I will add to their numbers and they will not be decreased. And I will bring them honor and they will not be disdained. You need to hear this because God is getting ready to restore somebody's joy back. Isaiah 61, instead of your shame. This is the word of God. This is what God says to you today. He says, instead of your shame, you'll receive a double portion. 
And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in the land, and everlasting joy will be yours. I would just encourage someone, if you're struggling today, I would encourage you to reach out and grab a hold of those. When the word of God comes forth, I would encourage you to be the one who is willing, like the woman with the issue of blood, who pressed through the crowd and reached out and grabbed a hold of the hem of his garment. The biblical account that I want to talk to you about today is found in 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, and in 2 Samuel chapter 9. There was a five-year-old little boy whose life was flipped upside down in one afternoon. It's amazing how one event, how one message can so dramatically impact a person's life. One event can have devastating effects and seemingly crush a person's dreams and aspirations. But one encounter with Jesus can change everything as well. You see, this young boy was a part of a royal family. He was privileged. Life was good. I mean, life was good. His life had great potential. Unlimited possibilities lay ahead for him. But all that seemed to change the day his father and and grandfather were killed in battle. When the news of his father and his grandfather's death and defeat reached his home, his caretaker realized that his life was in danger. So she picked him up and began to run. As they ran, she tripped and fell and damaged his legs so severely that for the rest of his life, he would be lame. It wasn't enough to lose his father. It wasn't enough to lose his grandfather. It wasn't enough to lose his home. It wasn't enough to have to be on the run. But he also, in a moment, lost his ability to walk correctly. Have you ever noticed that difficulties sometimes seem to come in pairs or triplets? Have you ever noticed that? That sometimes it's just one thing after another after another. It's almost as if problems and painful situations come in waves after waves. Also, sometimes in life, well-meaning people can be the ones who hurt us. They're not trying to hurt us, but their mistake, her mistake, cost him his ability to walk. They tripped, but you have to pay for it. They tripped and now you struggle with fear, insecurity, addiction, lack of trust, your self-image. How many times have we heard of testimonies? Pastor Jaime, whenever you hear the men's testimonies again and again and again and again, you can almost change the names and the faces and put in the the events of the story. Life was good until I was about 10 years old. I remember hearing guys, the the Teen Challenge guys, the Restart Ministry guys, they come in, their testimony, it's, it's seemingly the same thing again and again. Life was good. Until I was 10 and mom and dad divorced. Life was good until dad left. Life was good until I was five and someone molested me. Life was good and somebody fell. And now that young man or that young woman is dealing with the consequences 
of somebody else's fall. They didn't do anything. Life was good until that moment in life whenever everything seemed to change. Everything seemed to go wrong from that moment on. And now they're forced to live with the consequences of someone else's choice, someone else's fall, someone else's decisions. It seems so unfair. And we could play the blame game if you want to. And we can spend a lifetime of blaming somebody. And we can spend a lifetime of being angry and furious and filled with rage. And we can spend a lifetime of feeling sorry for ourselves. We can spend a lifetime just struggling with anger and resentment if you want to. But that doesn't do anything for you. We've seen a lot try. We think, if I just try a little longer, if I can get some revenge, maybe that will do it. We can play that blame game, but all it does is keep us trapped and embittered. That's not where our focus is today. Because I told you that God wants to bring restoration in somebody's life. So if you're going to spend your time trying to get even, if you're going to spend your time feeling sorry, you're going to miss out on the restoration that God wants to bring. You're going to miss out on the goodness and the mercy that God wants to follow your life with. That's not where our focus is today. You see, it looked like that was to be this young man's lot in life, trapped and broken. Years had passed by. And the next time that we hear about him, he's living in a place. Does anyone know where he's living? He's living in a town. It's called Lodabar. You know what the name Lodabar means? It means if you're going to live here, you've got to lower the bar of your expectation. If you're going to stay in this town, you've got to lower the bar of your expectations. That's not what it means. What it means is this. It means no pasture. It also means no word or no communication. So we know that Lodabar is a dry and barren place. One writer suggests that Lodabar is a derogatory name that denotes a lack of enlightenment or stupidity. I want to say that to you again. It's a derogatory name that means lack of enlightenment or stupidity. It's a place where there's no communication. Hear me. It's a place where you can't hear. You don't hear anything in Lodabar. There's no answers in Lodabar. There's no enlightenment in Lodabar. And you see, the next time that we hear from him, this young man, he's living in the slums. And he's sleeping on somebody else's couch. Doesn't have his own place. He's living in the slums, sleeping on on the couch of Makir, son of Amiel. But I want you to hear this. There was a king who was on his throne. There was a king who had already conquered his enemies. There was a king who had firmly established his kingdom, who simply wanted to bless somebody. Are you hearing me today? He says there's someone... Is there, here was his question, is there someone to whom I can show God's kindness? All across this room, there's some people who ought to be lifting their hands. He says he's looking for somebody. He had established his kingdom. 
He had defeated his enemies and he looks around and he says, is there not somebody who I can show God's kindness to? That's what he was looking to do. He was looking to show the goodness and the mercy of the Lord for somebody. Friend, there's a king today who's firmly established his kingdom. And he's looking to show goodness and mercy to somebody. Now, he asked that question and and his servant replied, Yeah, there's still someone. He's lame in both feet. He's broken. He can't walk. He can't work. He's sleeping on Makir's couch. He's living in that dry, barren place, Lodabar. The place where you can't get a word. The place where there's no communication. The place where nothing makes sense. Where everything just seems futile and stupid. It can't figure out anything about that place. Well, go get him, the king said, and bring him to me. The king did not want to leave him where he was. You see, he didn't belong in Lodabar. The place where he was didn't define him. You see, he was really a prince. And there's some places, my friends, that you don't belong in. There's some children of God who don't belong in certain places. They don't belong in that dry and desert place. They don't belong in that place where they can't hear from God. They don't belong in that addiction. They don't belong in that brokenness. They don't belong in that lack. But God has something better for them. And the king is looking for somebody to show God's goodness to. Well, go get him. Well, you can imagine a stir it must have made as the king's representatives rode into Lodabar. This is a God-forsaken place. What's the king want to do with this place? Surely the man must have been surprised when he heard the knock on the door and heard the words, the king wants to see you. These men were there to take him to the king. Probably, I would think that fear filled his heart as he wondered, what could the king possibly want with me? What have I done wrong? Have they finally caught up with me? Remember, he had to run and hide. People were out to kill his relatives. If you read in the verses right before it, cousins and stuff, they came into their house and murdered them. What does the king want with me? What have I done wrong? It's kind of like getting called down to the principal's office, but on a major, major degree. If the principal doesn't just spank you, but he kills you. You know what I'm saying? Some of you got called down to the principal's office and got a paddling back in the day, but he didn't kill you. And so he's getting called down to the king's office. And what have I done wrong? Is he going to kill me? What does he want with me? When he arrives at the king's palace, he bowed down low to show honor to the king. And the king calls him by name. His reply is at your service. Perhaps he was shaking with fear because the scripture tells us that the king said, don't be afraid. I want to bless you and show you kindness. He says, I'm going to restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather's house. And you're going to feast every day at my table with me and my family. You belong here. In an instant, listen, in a moment. 
He went from low to bar, living on somebody else's couch, to the king's palace, hearing the words that I'm going to restore to you everything that rightfully belongs to you. Not only that, the king says to him, and you're going to have dinner with me every day. Every day you're going to eat at my table. You belong here. The Bible records him bowing down in 2 Samuel chapter 9, 8 and saying, what is your servant? Who am I? What is your servant that you should even notice a dead dog like me? You see, Mephibosheth was painfully aware of his brokenness. He saw it every time he tried to walk. He was aware of his flaws and his weaknesses. Yet in spite of it, the king just wanted to bless and restore him. But he wasn't finished yet. The king said to him, do you see my servants here? Watch what I'm going to do for you. They work for you now. These men who worked for me, they work for you now. And they'll take care of your land. They will do the work and bring you the profits. But you are always going to have a place of honor at my table. You're going to eat with my family. You're going to eat with the rulers and the leaders of this nation. I'm going to exalt you. I'm going to establish you. I'm going to restore to you the place that you rightfully belong. Like Mephibosheth, someone may have tripped in your life, and you've been the one who's had to pay for it. And one afternoon, someone may have done something, and they turned your world upside down. And now, all these years later, you still have to live with the consequences. You may be painfully aware. It may be evident to everybody, your brokenness that's been left behind. Maybe everyone can't see it, but you recognize the weaknesses, the battles with fear, the insecurity, the addictions, the anxieties and worries that trouble your mind. But I want you to hear me clearly. There is still a king who's on his throne who has conquered every one of his enemies. There's a king who has firmly established his kingdom. And he's standing there and he looks around and he says, Is there not somebody who I can show God's goodness to? Is there not someone who I can restore? Is there not someone who I can show my mercy and my grace to? He's looking for somebody. I don't know who it is. But I want to encourage you, if the Holy Spirit has moved upon your heart, that you somehow respond to Him, that you somehow respond to Him, that you say, Lord, it's me. I'm that one. Yeah, I'm broken. Yeah, I'm angry. Yeah, I'm furious. Yeah, I'm struggling with things. But I believe that you're on your throne. I believe that you're able in an instant... To restore to me what the enemy has stolen from my life. I want to encourage you to do this without hesitation. Without a bit of hesitation in this room. I told you, you're going to feel it. You're going to feel it in your spirit. Without a bit of hesitation in this room. In your heart, if you sense that you might be that person that God wants to bless. 
Throughout the scripture and in the New Testament, there was a story of God in his, in his grace and his mercy at a pool called Bethesda, where the angel of the Lord would come down and touch the waters and stir the pool. And the first person who got in, they received from the Lord. They received their healing. They received their deliverance. They received their touch. If as you sense today that perhaps the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, and you sense that God wants to show, come on, just step out of your pews. You sense that God wants to show his goodness. He wants to show his mercy to you. He wants to restore you. I want to ask you just to join me in the front. Whatever your situation is, just respond quickly. The Holy Spirit spoke into your heart. Some of you may say, Pastor, mine wasn't an accident. (laughs) I appreciate that good word. But there's some areas of brokenness. I've been hurt. Some of you are here, you're saying someone else did it. It's not my fault. That's cool. But there's others who say, today, mine wasn't an accident or someone else's fault. Mine was my doing. And I made a choice and a decision. I'm the one. I'm the one who fell. I'm the one who broke other people's hearts. I'm the one who messed up situations and circumstances in my life. And I'm still having to deal with the consequences. I don't even feel worthy to ask God to bring his blessing and his restoration. But let me tell you something. Our Father in heaven has an unlimited supply. If he blesses you, there's no lack. If he blesses you, it doesn't hurt him to bless you. Someone else is not going to do without because he blessed you. He has an unlimited supply of goodness and mercy that will follow you all the days of your life. Like the father of the prodigal son. He's simply waiting for you to come and respond to his invitation of isn't there somebody I can bless hallelujah anyone else who wants to join us this morning can I just invite you to join us up front here anyone else who wants to join us we're just going to pray hallelujah father in the name of Jesus we've responded people around this sanctuary have responded to the invitation of the Holy Spirit the invitation of the king who said I want to bless somebody is there not someone who I cannot show my goodness and my mercy to is there not someone who I cannot restore their lives and restore their joy and restore their peace and restore their hope and restore their reputation and restore their families so today Lord as we've responded in this room People did not hesitate to step out. They moved because they felt prompted by the Holy Spirit. Now, I thank you, God, that in this room, we don't have to have a very dramatic show. 
for you to restore. In an instant, you can simply speak the word and your servant will be healed. Father, you can simply speak the word and years of depression will be taken off. You can speak the word and years of fear and anxiety and insecurity will be broken off of them. In the name of Jesus, you can speak the word and send forth a blessing that no one can stop. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that the Holy Spirit would speak clearly and concisely to your people. I pray for those who live with shame. I curse it in Jesus' name. I pray that instead of shame, that the joy of the Lord would be their strength. Just receive that right now. I pray instead of shame, instead of guilt, instead of condemnation, a spirit of acceptance, a spirit of grace, a spirit of mercy, that the love of God would fill their hearts in the name of Jesus. And we thank you for that, Lord. Now, Father, I ask you that as people pour out their hearts before you, as they pour out their tears and their anxieties and their worries, Before you, Father, I thank you that you're restoring their soul. You told me, God, you were going to restore someone's soul, Lord. Their mind, their will, their emotions, Lord. You told me, Lord, that the joy of the Lord was coming back to the house of God. And I declare that being done right now in Jesus' name. That joy begin to fill people's hearts. That laughter and praise and worship begin to fill their hearts and their minds in Jesus' name. No more darkness, Lord. No more despair. No more worry. No more hopelessness. But the joy of the Lord be theirs In Jesus' name, we declare it to be done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Just take a few minutes and just begin to pour out your hearts to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank Him. Don't listen to the excuses why you don't deserve it. Just thank Him that He's a merciful God. That He's a gracious God. Oh, that He's a loving God and He's looking for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you that you've been looking for us, Lord. You've been waiting for us, Lord. You came searching for us, Lord. We were in our despair. We were in our brokenness. We didn't have anything to offer to you. But you came and sought us out, Lord. Thank you that we're whole in our minds, Lord. Thank you that we're whole in our bodies, Lord. Thank you for the spiritual breakthroughs, Lord. No more discouragement. No more fear. No more shame. No more reproach. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we declare that over your people. As you continue to pray, I want to just declare this over you. Mephibosheth didn't have to do anything. It was the king's desire to bless him. All he had to do was present himself. He presented himself and he, you know what? Someone even helped him present himself. Mephibosheth was not in a place where he could present his own self before the king. Somebody else had to carry him. Someone else had to go to him and pick him up and bring him there. He couldn't even make the trip on his own. But the king saw fit to do that. And as he came, as he bowed down and humbled himself before the king, it was the king's responsibility to bless him. It was the king's desire to restore him. It was the king's desire to minister life to him. Not just temporary, but for the rest of his life. 
and for generations. It mentions his son. Can I declare to you today that there's things that are being broken off of your life. There's things that are broken off of your life. There's restoration that God is bringing in your life that won't just affect you. It's going to be for your children and for your grandchildren and for generations to come in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, there'll be things that are established. It's not just for you, brother. It's not just for you, sister. It's for generations to come. Can I just ask you to do this with me? We need to have a way that we respond to him. Some of you are, because I'm going to tell you what's happening. Some of you are still going to struggle saying, but pastor, I'm not worthy. Pastor, I, I responded, but the, sometimes the feelings. Well, what? Listen, when the king said it's done, it was done. He said, this is where you're going to eat. I'm restoring it to you. It's yours. Mephibosheth had to believe him. And Mephibosheth had to keep coming to the table every week, every day, every meal. He That invitation to come, to come, to come, to come. And again and again, the Lord's going to call you day after day, three times a day, four times a day, every day, every meal. He dined at a feast every day. And God wants to do that in your life as well. So Father... I pray in the name of Jesus as people have responded to the promptings of the Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, that you do restore my soul. I thank you that you restore what the locust has stolen and destroyed. I thank you, Lord, that instead of shame, we're receiving a double portion. And instead of disgrace, we rejoice in our inheritance. Thank you, Lord, that we're going to receive that double portion and everlasting joy will be ours in Jesus' name. So, Lord, we say yes. We say yes to your invitation. We say yes to your restoration. We say yes to your healing. We say yes to your changing our mind. We say yes to your favor and your goodness. We're not going to focus any longer on our brokenness because we got a God who loves us. A God who heals us. We're not going to focus on the place that we were. Because we got a God who's coming for us. I want you to pray out loud with me a prayer. Lord Jesus, I thank you for loving me. I thank you for inviting me to come and be restored. I believe that you are a God of restoration. I believe you can heal me, Lord. I believe you can provide for me. I believe you can restore all of the areas of brokenness in my life. And I just simply receive it now. In Jesus' name. Thank you that it's mine. And I'm not going to give it up for anything. I forgive all the people who dropped the ball. All the people who fell. All the people who tripped. I forgive myself for my fallings. For the times I've tripped. And I receive your grace today. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to hear me very clearly. 
God's done something in this room. I'm going to make you a promise that if you'll grab a hold of it, we'll change people's lives. There's goodness and there's mercy. We serve a king who's on his throne, who has conquered his enemies. We serve a king who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. His power knows no limitations, and he's looking to bless you. Father, we love you and we thank you. Oh, thank you for seeking us out. Thank you that you don't, you don't forget about us. You don't abandon us, Lord. But again and again, you come looking for us. Thank you for your word today, Lord. And I thank you that you've accomplished something. The scripture says that when the word goes forth, it will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent. And we believe, Lord, that the word that went forth today will accomplish the purpose for which it was sent in Jesus' name. And we give you praise for that. Amen.